0: Welcome to the Key Hire Small Business Podcast, your go-to resource for tackling challenges and empowering small business owners to scale successfully. Our mission is to help unlock your business's full potential. My name is Corey Harlock, and I'll be your host.
1: And we have, our guests just keep getting better and better all the time. Today, we have Chris Hanslick from Boyer Miller, and I'll admit they are a client of Key Hire currently, so I can attest to... Everything that's going to be said uh, from firsthand knowledge, they run a great show. A little bit about Chris. He's been the chairman at Boyer Miller for over 12 years. He won the Business uh, Houston Business Journal's Most Admired CEOs uh, in 2021. What's really uh, pivotal to this conversation is they won the Houston Business Journal Best Places to Work four years running, including this year. So if we look back at that timeline, they won it the first time in 2020 when the world went crazy. They won it in 2021 when the world was still crazy. 2022 as we started leveling out and now again in 2023 as things are getting back to the new normal. And another interesting thing, Chris hosts a podcast podcaster, Boyer Miller, called Building Texas Business. Um, about corporate innovation, entrepreneurship, business leadership in the Lone Star State. And we're gonna give you a link to that at the end of the show as well, but I highly recommend you check that out. I believe it's award-winning too. These guys don't do anything halfway. So without further ado, Matt, let's bring in Chris. How, how did
2: I do? Uh, I was impressed. I think you, I hope, I don't know if any of that was true or not, but no, it was. <laughs> it sounded me. good, it sounded good. Uh, <laughs>
1: Our due diligence department's a little lean. That's what you sent me. So we just went with it.
2: <laughs> very good. No, uh, very, you know, couldn't be more excited about the firm being recognized by the Houston Business Journal. you are now four years in a row. And uh, we take a lot of pride in that because that's that is a, a true team award. Uh, the way that process runs, it's 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 a serious survey that you have to have a, a high percentage of your people respond to just to be in the running to be considered. And then they, then they, you know, analyze those responses. So uh, it, it means a lot.
1: And so just so people understand you give them an idea of the size of the firm, Chris, cause you guys aren't small by any means either. You're not huge, it, but you're not small.
2: Yeah, that's a good, that's a probably good way. We, we are clearly not the largest law firm in the world and don't want to be, we just want to be the best. And so total employee count is around 55, 56, with about 36 attorneys, the rest is, you know, support staff and other staff. Um, so we, that puts us, you know, for the Houston business journal, I think we're in the 50 to 99 employee employee category. Um, but uh, so yes, plenty, plenty of people uh, here, you know, rowing in the right direction, you know, we're a professional service firm law firm trying to serve clients. So uh, it's important to, you know, to do this topic that we have a, a cohesive team that, uh, you know, is focused on our mission, which is serving clients and being the best we can be.
1: Yeah, and that's why I was so excited when you agreed to come on and talk about this because small business owners talk so much about our culture. Our culture, and cu- you, you can put words on paper and stick them on a wall, and and that's that's not culture, right? Culture are, is essentially, in my experience, the behaviors and actions of the leadership. <laughs> Right. And I've, I've had the, the, the pleasure of spending some time with Mr. Bill Boyer as well. And when he talks about the law firm, he doesn't talk about the services you provide. He he starts out with talking about the culture of the firm. So you guys take it really yep. seriously.
2: We do. And, you know, it's, it's been <clears throat> the history of that for, for us is, is pretty unique, I think, because we developed a mission statement and what we call core values, which are those behavioral guidelines long before it was popular to have something like that to put on your website. And when we talk about the firm, we start with our mission statement, because for mission, the mission is our passion. And it's it's what we're passionate about. And what excites us to come to work at Boyer Miller every day. And for us, there's three tenets: it's providing counsel beyond expectation, building lasting relationships, and that's internal and external, and making a meaningful difference in people's lives, both again, internal and externally. So that that is our core focus. We and then that leads to the core values, which are how are we going to behave in order to fulfill that mission? Uh, and so I think you're right. Culture has to start at the top, but, it, you know, your culture is really a 360. Look at the entire organization, but it's got to be a top down. They the people in the organization you know, have to see the leaders uh, walking the walk. Right. It's all behaviors, not talk, not words on the wall, as you said earlier, uh, and doing it every day.
1: I agree. I Way back when I was a younger man, at the beginning of my career, I worked for a corporate restaurant chain. And they said they had this triangle that they measured everything by. And it was the guests, the shareholders and the employees. But when we had our meetings, all they talked about was money. Right. So if you had to actually and then they would talk a little bit about the guests and they hardly ever talked about their employees. So it was like yeah, it's 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 certainly not an equilateral equilateral triangle when you break it down you
2: know right we say that to you know, the the mission and that passion it has to be the um what's the organization stand for and what its purpose other than making money because if you're just focused on that you're always going to uh, lose sight of what is important right And so if you have like anything if you have a core foundation you're always going to have troubles, right? There's going to be good times and bad and in those hard times. If you have a set of values you stand for, you can go back to those and it helps guide uh, decision-making as it has uh, for this firm. And and, and as we've encountered ups and downs throughout the way, especially in the last several years, like everyone going through a a pandemic and then then trying to figure out uh, our our way back to some sense of uh, normalcy. Although that word does seem weird to use these days.
1: Yeah, the new normal, right? That's yeah. the big buzzword. So what could, if you could, I mean, we always like to start with the what is it, right? And I think <clears throat> what we're talking about today is your your journey over the last four years with the changing environment and trying to sustain or have your culture uh, adjust, be adaptable to what was going on in the world to maintain a strong culture and, and maintain you know, your workforce and how people still excited to be there. So can you give us kind of a 30,000 foot overview of what that looked like at Boyer Miller?
2: Sure. Um, You know, it's in my view, it started with a very strong culture before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Right. It was a a very cohesive group, very aligned behind our mission and our values. Uh, You know, so then the world went sideways or upside down and i would say that that culture was built on you know fundamentals of teamwork and collaboration and mutual respect and support uh and trying to develop our people to be great professionals and then we you know everyone got sent home and we were working from home and and that was late march into april uh by the end of april and what we were doing we were doing everything we could via zoom to stay connected so you know we did everything that most companies did we had kind of weekly a little happy hours for, you know, where the whole firm would get on. And I tried to come up with, you know, what games you've been playing? What are you binge watching just to get people to share about what, you know, say connected personally, Uh, you know, different groups within the organization were meeting more than that. By mid April, excuse me. What I started hearing from people as we were on these video calls were, God, I miss the office. I miss seeing everybody. And, you know, Texas and Houston kind of opened things back up uh, May 1st. And one of the things that uh, we did was we got prepared for that uh, and said, how can we get back together in a safe way? Because we felt like you know, being together is, is what fosters and creates a culture in a company. And the more you're apart, you're you at risk for erosion. And so we, we quickly moved. I retained a, a physician that was working in ERs treating COVID to come walk our office, you know, give us advice on how we could come back in on a safe way in May of 2020. And we did a, a town hall zoom or a two hour zoom where he educated everybody uh, on what it, what this you know virus is, what it's not, how you get it, how you don't, how we're going to operate. We came up with this uh, office guidelines at how we were going to operate. We had the benefit, obviously the attorneys have private offices and, most of the staff have a you know a dedicated workspace that so we could do some things to kind of create some separation, but we got back to the office and we were flexible. Uh, interestingly enough, we had a work remote policy before COVID hit. Uh, that's, that's expanded quite a bit you know, since, but it was what can we do to collaborate uh, <clears throat> and work together, and that really started that uh, the process of what can you know maintaining this culture. Now I'll tell you it wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, I think as 2020 went on, we started to see, you know, even though we were in the office, people were still operating a little bit isolated. Uh, and as things became more safer, we, we started looking at what can we do to create opportunities for togetherness, whether in small groups or, you know, when we could in something a little larger, just to you know reconnect with people. Uh, it's hard, you know. On these video calls, you usually pop right in at the appointed time. And as soon as it's over, you're leaving the meeting to do another one. And what you get when you're in the office is you, you get the small talk about the weekend or the kids or your interest. And, you know, you, you start to get to know your, the people you're around. And, and for us, that's the kind of culture we want. And, and so that, that's what we were focused on to try to uh, reinvigorate that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, It's an interesting uh, dynamic, too, because not only are you trying to create that back to work, but we're also dealing with individuals who have their own kind of scale of uh, comfort with coming back to the work and discomfort. So you're making a lot of um, trying to create a policy that accommodates lots of different ways of thinking about what's going on.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. One of the things in the early days was some, we had a handful of people that were high risk and and couldn't come back. And so how do you include them and not let them feel like they're left out? Uh, You know, the communication is always important. Boy, did it become really important, that kind of concept of over-communicating, especially from the leadership uh, so that those people didn't feel left out or the ones that maybe weren't comfortable, even though they were here being in any kind of uh, group setting. Uh, And then, you know, the the challenges kept coming because then the vaccine comes out and it's who's going to get it, who's not, are you going to mandate it, are you not? Uh, and, And that created, you know, a whole host of other issues to deal with to try to not create or avoid allowing those kind of, you know, in some ways political issues, but certainly personal choice issues to not let them create fractures within your culture.
1: So we want to talk about reinvigorating culture. So that was kind of the process you went through. So I I would assume it's really the last, well, we're in 09 of 2023 here. So the last year and three quarters, if we could, right? Year and a half, the last 18 months has really, I'm sure you've been doing a lot of work to kind of reinforce that culture. Have you taken the chance to to, um, make any changes to the way you're dealing with things, you know, what have you done to, you know, to use the title of the podcast? What have you guys done over the last 18 months now to really reinforce and reinvigorate that culture now that there is everyone's back and it's, it's kind of what it used to be for the most part.
2: Yeah. Some of it has been as simple as getting back to some of the things that we've done that we did, you know, in before 2020, which is a lot of gatherings and socializing and, and and making sure that the teams, you know, you know, whatever deal or case they're working on or making time to meet together as opposed to via Zoom or just sending emails. And it's almost, uh, rather than send an email, why don't you get together for even if it's 10 minutes and just create that. And we we had been, uh, you know, we had monthly lunches for the firm. And so we brought that, we brought those back. Uh, we rotate, uh, I typically do a monthly update to everyone, to just what's going on in the firm. And so, what we we brought those back, uh, and to kind of help foster when they are. They used to be at breakfast. Now we do. We rotate each month breakfast. The next month it's a lunch. The next month it's a happy hour. And you know, again, just you know, encouraging things to get it jump started. I guess this would have been maybe early twenty twenty two we actually uh, paired people up in pairs of three or four to go to lunch on the firm and just, you know, say, okay, it was almost, it was kind of like a, I guess like a matchmaking thing, but okay, here's the groups that are going to have lunch you know, this week. And then we kinda we did that, uh, you know, throughout a period of time just to get people to go out and reconnect with each other.
0: Hey, it's Corey. And if you like what you're hearing, give this episode a thumbs up. And subscribe or follow to get reminders of new episodes of the Key hire small business podcast
1: it sounds a lot like you guys and you've said it a lot too but you really focused on connection and, and being together and i'm curious i'm sure you don't have stats on it but in your experience and what you saw what what were the differences in performance or overall happiness, however you would measure it when people were away from the office? And once you started really focusing on built rebuilding that connection, was there um, a tangible or could you really feel a difference in the environment and in the productivity of the people?
2: I think so. Uh, and, and, you know, there are there are moments in time where I feel like you, you know, there's, there's an energy in the office Uh that when, when people are here and there's collaboration going on, even if it's, you know, they're, they're, it is not uncommon for someone to be walking around and come up, up upon a group of a couple people talking about something they're working on. And, and they, they may not be on that project, but they chime in on their experience. And, you know, it, it's just like impromptu learning moment. Uh, but what, what it does is it creates kind of this buzz, this atmosphere of energy that, that you can feel. And right. and I and I've heard you know I hear it I get the feedback and going it just feels different uh, as opposed to in the early days when like I said people were a little more careful we were right. still here we were still working together but there were still some eggshells about you know did you want you know some yeah. some people didn't want someone to come in their office right they'd stand in the hall and talk uh, in the early days those were some of the guidelines is you know stand at the at the doorway and don't come in and. Yeah. uh, <clears throat> that's not happening now. And you see people, you know, sitting down and looking at a computer together or, or whatever that might be. And it is, it, 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 it's one of those, it's hard to describe sometimes but you, but you feel it and you, and you can feel the difference and, and the productivity goes up. Uh, I think the quality of work goes up. Yeah. Uh, and for us, when that happens, then we have really happy clients and that's a good thing.
1: That's what you're all about.
2: <clears throat> Absolutely.
1: The um, it, You know, when they say you, you can do all these tricks to get into a flow when you work, well, it sounds like you guys have, have pushed the right buttons to take all those individuals and get them into a, everyone in a flow together, everyone kind of working with, with these your core values and, and all of the things you believe in and the consistent messaging, it just allows people to, we understand what what the sandbox is and where we need to play. And then everyone just kind of comes in and the rules are established and, and they're allowed to just get to it. Right. And they know they're going to be supported and you're creating a, almost a group flow. It sounds like. That's certainly the goal. And, and keep on, we
2: still have, we still try to be flexible and we have a work remote policy. So people do yeah. work remotely uh, from time to time and when it's appropriate, what we try to talk about in that is, you, we have commitments, we have commitments to our clients. Uh, We have commitments to the organization and we have commitments to each other. And of course we have commitments outside the office as well. Um, We try to obviously be supportive and respectful of that, but when it comes to our work, it's okay if you need to be at home or or work remote, but the key to that policy, right, is work. It's a work remote policy. And I think early on, some of that, uh, maybe people, there was a not just here, but I sensed it and I talked to colleagues and other, that own businesses in other industries. And there was just like kind of a lack of urgency as this malaise was, as we were coming out of 20 and 21. And what we've tried to talk about is reinsert the urgency in what we do, focus on the commitments we have to each other and to our clients. And and if you can do that, then where you do the work won't be as important as how you do the work, recognizing that we have a bias towards being together. In fact, our work remote policy is called any chair anywhere. Uh, so (laughs) it's, but it's, but it's, you know, grounded in the commitments we have to our clients, to our firm and to each other. Um,
1: yeah. And I think when people are being led or have a clear goal uh, and they're busy, they're happiest.
2: For sure. I mean, we it's funny. I think as humans, we complain. We, we just kind of complain by nature a lot. So we can we complain when we're really slow, and nothing to do. And when we're really busy, we complain about being busy. But we always like that that side of it better than than not being busy, right? Because we can yeah. complain about not being busy, but there's also sometimes an inherent fear of, oh my gosh, is everything going to be okay? Uh, yeah. When you have the other problem and it's, gosh, I'm so busy, I, you know, I don't know if I can get it all done. You know, there's certainly a sense of job security in that. And so we, we, we certainly try to push to be on that side of the coin.
1: Well, and I would even argue there's <laughs> fulfillment, right? Like being able to cross things off your list, that's that's fulfilling <laughs> versus not having a list to, to- yeah. To work towards, right?
2: You 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 cannot get experience and thereby develop your skills if you don't have things to work on. That's so, great. That's,
1: yeah, that's it right there. I think you, that's the nutshell. Yeah, um, and
2: we have a core value of developing our people to gr- be great professionals. So if we can't bring in the work and, and have it be challenging and fulfilling, then we're, we're not going to deliver on that core value. And that's not OK with us. We, you know, we're committed to yeah. helping people develop to be the best professional I can be and go along the way. We hope that every associate we hire one day becomes a shareholder and partner in
1: this firm. Right. So the one thing I didn't say, you know, are your lines of business. And I know you guys do real estate, you do M&A, mm-hmm. you work with a lot of small and mid-sized businesses, um, acquisitions, and uh, you do a little bit of litigation and you do some real other um, real estate work as well. I'm curious to know in your kind of journeys and talking to business owners and things, your policy, what I'm kind of reading behind the lines, was it wasn't an iron glove, right? It wasn't everyone's back on this day and this is the way it's going to be. Uh, and I think a lot of uh, small businesses or business owners maybe took that tact and it didn't land well. Uh, you know, what What are kind of some of the mistakes maybe you made uh, at the firm or in speaking with business owners, they may have made in kind of... Re- bringing people back in and re because it was a bit of a rebuild, right? When people go away that long and that much change happens in your world and everyone's world, I know they want to go back to have it be the same, but it just isn't. And so I'm curious to know what your experiences were in terms of the mistakes maybe that were made.
2: Yeah, there is a great question. There was a lot. I mean, I think for me it starts with either of those extremes weren't good, right? The, the, in some businesses you, you just they I guess they're unique and you can't do their the, the job remote right but
1: right. yeah Man, um, manufacturing if you're on the line you can't
2: you know work right. on, work a machine from home but setting those aside the extreme of everyone's got to come back five days a week or the or the extreme of no one no everyone's fully remote I think in both of those I you know saw people go well okay maybe I maybe I was too harsh in making everybody come back maybe I I should have a little flexibility and then the other that maybe allowed it to go too long and regretted because now trying to get people back in became a problem so those both of those extremes i saw create issues um and you know it's as as people started to come back it was okay now now what are we going to mandate three days a week two days a week are we going to keep it openly flexible uh what we saw, you know, specific to our industry, especially in 2001, and I think this was true across other industries, because you, if you remember, and, and especially with what you do and in 2021, maybe early half of 2022, we were dealing with what we were calling the Great Resignation, and people were just not working. Yep. And so there was uh, decisions at the owner leadership stage of making this decisions out of fear fear of losing people, right? And that's never a healthy thing. And and I know we we felt ourselves at times trapped in that and going, gosh, uh there's 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 a run on talent. And you know, what do we, you know, we've made some decisions to go, well, we, we maybe need to do this for fear of losing someone. And the fact is if you're gonna lose them, you're gonna lose them. Uh and so I think you it's you know you want to be smart about it, but you have to stay, that's where it's so important to I think focus back on your mission your values what's core to your organization and go is this decision consistent with that if it i guess every decision doesn't have to be but if it's not you need to have a good reason why not um so those were those were kind of some of the things i experienced those extremes caused issues and i yeah. think if you were somewhere in the middle making decisions out of fear as opposed to what was really in, in the, the right best interest of your business
1: in, what I keep hearing you say is because you had such a strong foundation from which you were operating from all along, you had you had that point of reference, always had that point of reference, as well as your employees. Your, your employees understood, and there was consistent messaging before anything happened, through all the craziness, and then up until today, the message has been consistent, um, and they... And you guys have stayed the course with it. And I think that consistency is a great equalizer in terms of if you do make a mistake or have a hiccup, you can always go back to it and people will be more forgiving because you've been so consistent through the years versus kind of going one extreme to the other and really having no um, anchor by which to make your decisions.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I couldn't agree more. Um look, we I I'm certainly not perfect. I don't know, no one I know is well, I guess. Not what I heard. That's
1: not what the word does on the street.
2: That's right. So we're gonna make mistakes. So not all and whether it's a mistake, not all decisions are well received or popular with everyone. And that's another thing I guess as a leader you have to, you know, come to grips with is not everyone's gonna like the decision, but if they see in that in that time or in that decision, but but more importantly, over time and all the decisions, what you're doing is trying to make the best decision you can with the information you have in the best interest of the organization. Even if they may not agree with it, they can get aligned behind it. And we talk about alignment here a lot, which is subtly different in our view than agreement. And that is, okay, I may not necessarily agree with this, but I can support it and get behind it. And yeah, so what can- we talk about here, is let's align behind a decision, then let's act because you can you can align all you want, but if you don't act, it's nothing. And and once once we go into action, we have we have to learn and and, and adjust uh, because the world's changing. As soon as we align with the information we have and we start to act, right? New information's come out, the world right. looks a little different. So then we have to adjust and realign and act again. And that's an ongoing process but it's a process that can be, um, I mean, not streamlined, but but easier to go through, as we said, if, if you have that core purpose, those values that are consistent. And that, that, that's the one thing we say, uh, they're really not up for grabs around here, that, you know, we that's what we, this organization stands for. Uh, I tell people, you know, clients I work with, I recommend, look, you got to figure out what is your purpose? Uh, you mentioned my podcast. I interview entrepreneurs and business owners, and I can tell you, I think if you listen to all, you know, what almost fifty-five episodes now, they all talk about that. That the, the, the when they've been successful, it's because they had a core purpose. They stayed true to that core. When they started to go away from that, is when troubles happened.
1: That's interesting. That's interesting. So let's. If if I'm a business owner and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking. Man, maybe I have uh, overlooked or neglected building these this foundation by which I want to manage or I'm I'm telling people to do one thing and I'm doing another or I haven't taken the time to align my team. They're not going to build a foundation as strong as you. You guys have a Blair Miller because you've been working on it for years and years and years. But if they want to get started, because it's it's obvious that. It was that foundation that allowed you to move through the last four years uh, and come out the other side as successful as you are. And that's kind of what you went back to. So it's obviously really important. So I'm a business owner, I'm thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta do that. I I, I need to get on this train and start getting everything aligned. What are the first, what would you recommend they do first, second, you know, just to get started building that foundation?
2: Sure. Uh, Great question. Very important question. I think it starts with purpose. I would tell that business owner, you need to go, you need to go away, get out of the office, do something, but really look introspectively deeply and go, what's the, why? What's the, what's the purpose of why do I even have this company Uh, again, other than making money? What's the passion? What's the purpose? And be able to write it down and articulate it, whether that's with your senior team or whatever. But but it has to be something that resonates. I I tell people it needs to resonate in your heart and in your gut. Right. That this is like we would run through a wall because this is what we are here to do. And if we and look, an outcome. Hopefully, especially from the for profit world, a good outcome of you really focus on your mission and your purpose would be profit and making money, but that, that should be an outcome of doing other things. Right. And yeah. so that would be the advice is you, you, and then you come back and you can articulate this purpose, this why to everyone and say, this is what we're really about here. And if you're on board with that, this is going to be the best organization that you could ever be with. And if you're not again, if it does, if what this mission is about this company doesn't resonate with you, it's okay because I tell people that all the time here, it's okay if, if the three tenets of our mission don't resonate with you. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just means this is not the right organization for you. We yeah. always like to, we think in, you know, right and wrong, us and them, and that's not the case. We're, no. I said it when we started, we are not trying to be the largest law firm. And a lot of my clients, I right, have great successful companies. They're not trying to be the biggest company in the world, but they want to be the best at what they do and what they stand for. Yeah. And they want the people that are there to be to believe in that mission and that purpose. And I've seen, I'm sure you have too, again, in your line of business, people come and then they realize, wait, you know, I that doesn't really resonate with me. So we're not the right organization. You know what? Nine times out of 10, if not more, those people have found the right organization for them. As hard as those decisions have been, maybe to counsel them out or whatever, they end up better off. And so do we. Because then we it frees us up to go find someone that actually does connect with that mission and that purpose uh, so that that can be a, a process that causes a lot of anxiety for both sides. But in the end, it ends up well.
1: And you touched on something really important like w- when we do what we do we want to dive in and understand the culture of the company. And oftentimes we work with business owners and they've never defined their culture. And I say, Hey, great kind of unintended consequence. We're going to tell you what it is because we're going to do our diligence. And I think our success rate, uh, is due to the fact that we understand the people we work with and we're better able to outline when someone starts working for a company, The good the bad and the ugly so there are no surprises because i think a huge mistake people will make is they want to win the interview and convince that person to come and work for them so they they bend the truth right they might say we have a great culture here but what they mean to say is we want to make a better culture and we see you as being a first step so there's going to be some work it could get a little messy but we see you being a big part of that and when people get in and they realize they don't have a great culture their first impression is maybe they lied to me, and that's not a great way to start a relationship.
2: No, for sure, for sure. No, well, you know the saying goes, right? You have a culture whether you know it or not, and uh, exactly. so it's be- better to know it, help design and and uh, craft it, I guess, than be oblivious and and yeah. just know that it you know it's out there percolating uh, despite what you may know or think.
1: Um, it- and if you don't know what your culture is, ask your employees to take an anonymous survey and they will tell you what your culture is. And if you don't like it, then you can make a decision to say, oh, maybe I'm going down the wrong path. But um, or you might say, OK, I, that makes perfect sense. Let's let's roll with it.
2: Yeah. You know that you bring up a good point. I think it's you know, it's, I think it's important. To seek feedback and, and listen, and I think you have to be honest with with people, we, we want your feedback it doesn't mean we're gonna necessarily do everything that all of you ask us to do, right? We can't do that. So we do what we call the firm report card twice a year. And we ask our people to basically comment on how we're doing relative to the three tenets of our mission and the five core values. And it's anonymous and it's a survey and and it's truly anonymous. I think some maybe not believe it, but I think most have been here long enough they do believe that, but we always get learning. And what I try to do, the shareholders of the firm, we, we spend a significant amount of time twice a year going over those results. And I try to then later tell people, there are some things, here's some of the learning, you know, we changed the way we do X because we heard from the report card. Uh, so it, 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 we take it to heart, but I also let them know, just, just cause you throw a comment in there, you can't expect that, you know, we, we because we didn't do that, doesn't mean we're not listening. Right. We just have to put it all into the pot and figure out, okay, what's, What's the best way to proceed for the greater good of the organization, not any any one individual?
1: Right, man. We could. I've already kept you a little long, uh, and we could talk about this probably for hours. But uh, we'll 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 cut it off here because I think you've given some amazing information. Uh, The ability to get this level of insight into a successful operation like Boyer Miller and all the work you've time and dollars you've invested in creating culture is is invaluable to people, so I hope people um, listen and uh, take steps to do that. Now, how can if someone's out there thinking, "Man, Boyer Miller, I'm a small business. I'm looking at doing an acquisition here," or um, you know, how can we get in touch with you, Chris?
2: Sure. Uh, best way probably is our website, uh, BoyerMiller.com, there it and is. you can see our practice areas there. You know, I tell people, you know, from about a high level you know, 90 to 95% of the day in day out legal needs of any business in any industry is what we do. And so we, we love working with entrepreneurs and business owners to kind of helping them grow and build and realize their dreams of of whatever that passion is and whatever that industry is. So it's a lot of fun and, and we love doing it every day.
1: And if we want to check out your podcast, give us, give us that one more time.
2: Yeah. Building Texas business. Uh, yeah, please. I guess, uh, I uh, download, uh, like, sh- share, review, listen and review. Yeah. Uh, as you know, those are all important. It's been yeah. a fun project. Like I said, I think we're 55 episodes in now a little over two years. Uh, some great, uh, great guests on there that are, you know, people, I think they go to look at the list of, of the previous episodes. They'll recognize names, some great stories, uh, Every story, there's some learning from because every story is unique. And so it's it's been a it's been a fun project uh, and I look forward to keeping it going and uh, look forward to having you on uh, soon.
1: Yeah, we're doing I think in the new year, we're going to do kind of an employee outlook for uh, 2024, I think, is what we're planning on doing. So I'm excited about doing that. You guys do a great job with that. Well, Well, Chris, I know you guys build by the hour, so I'll let you get back to work.
2: Very good. All right, Uh, Corey, I really appreciate the time and uh, thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. It was awesome. I mean, the information was incredible. I appreciate you taking the time to join us.
2: It's been. I think I did. I did a. I was a guest once. It's been a while. So it's 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 been a while since I've been on this side of the microphone uh, doing all the (laughs) talking.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Have a good day. There you have it, Chris Hanslick from Boyer Miller. Now, as I said at the top of the of the show they currently are a client and I can attest they are a first class operation and they are dedicated to, to building culture and they talk about culture first all the time. I, I've been inside the business and I have witnessed it. And if you're starting to build your cult- culture, I mean, they're, they, they are very complex at what they're doing. They, they have their core values. They have their tenants. They're doing surveys that are linking back to that. That doesn't happen in your first six to 12 months of doing this. If you were to set, you know, a goal to have your a, a culture statement or a mission statement outlined by the end of this year, that would be a ton. And then start working towards that. But I think what has made them so successful, and I probably should ask Chris this, but I'm going to make a, a big assumption here is they're so focused on it and they're always thinking of ways to improve it and include be inclusive with people and and have people be a part of it and they're always adding complexity to it to bring more information in. It, it can't, it has to help the business. People feel included. They feel like the, the, their ideas are being heard, not always taken and al- always acted on, but it's more important that they feel like you heard their idea than you acted on it. But by including people and bringing them in and getting their opinions and acting on it, that is a super powerful retention tool huge retention tool and they have it right. Boyer Miller, they have a great culture. And like I said, I can, I can attest to it firsthand. They're fantastic to deal with. So if you are a small business owner and you're looking for a lawyer, check them out. We flashed the the website up earlier.
0: Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you could take a moment to leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe or follow to stay up to date with all the latest episodes as they're released. Discover how Key Hire supports small business owners with talent planning and acquisition by exploring our YouTube channel or LinkedIn page. For comprehensive information, visit our website at www.keyhire.solutions where you can also sign up for a complimentary consultation to discuss any talent, experience, or capacity problems that keep you awake at night. Until next time, stop grinding and start growing.